Live at 5 Sports with Todd and Suhan, brought to you by Prairie's Edge Casino Resort. Uh, before we get to not a good weekend for the Twins, losing 3 out of 4 to the Tigers, uh, let's talk U.S. Open. Uh, Wyndham Clark, he was tied for the lead going into Sunday uh, with uh, Ricky Fowler. At that point, did you think he'd be able to hold on and win the championship? Fowler, I never felt like this was Fowler's championship. I yep. thought he played really well. Uh, I thought it was a great bounce back for him. I just didn't envision him. Uh, at, he just doesn't hit the ball very far. and doesn't hit the ball very high. And I just thought that would catch up to him. That combined with the fact he really hasn't been in contention for a major in a while. Uh, he had to sleep on the lead a couple of days. It just didn't feel like his turn to me. I thought this was a great opportunity for one of the great ball strikers in the world, either Scheffler or McEnroy, to actually make some clutch putts and win it. And I, I did not see Wyndham Clark winning it, but I think he won it because he didn't have any baggage. You know, Fowler has had, has had years of failure he's trying to overcome. Uh, McElroy hasn't won a major since 2014. You can just feel how, how much pressure he's putting on himself on every single putt. And then Scheffler, the same thing. Scheffler might have two majors this year if he had putted well. Uh, when bad putting gets in your head, it's really hard to shake it on a Sunday on cr- crusty greens at the U.S. Open. So, uh, you know, Clark played like a guy who wanted to win the U.S. Open. The other guys played like they wanted to banish demons, and I think it's a lot easier to play if you're just trying to win. Yeah, playing defense the whole time. Now, oftentimes U.S. Open courses do force players to be more defensive, but there was low scores out there. I mean, Chuck's Fleetwood shot a 63, Rahm shot a 65. You know, I wasn't asking Rory to shoot 63, but I thought 68 would have been within his reach. But like you say, probably getting in his own way a little bit. Yeah, and Roy hit it beautifully, mm-hmm. and Scheffler hit it beautifully, and then they would get to the green, and they would, you know, I thought McElroy is burning the edges all day, uh, which when you're burning the edges, you know, sometimes it's, sometimes it's bad luck, sometimes it's a slightly bad read, uh, sometimes it's because you're not you're so you're trying to force the ball in the hole, and so you're hitting it past the hole, and so it doesn't have time to chance to die in the hole, even if you read it correctly. Mm-hmm. Scheffler just looked uncertain. He just like he was. He was afraid to miss putts, and no matter how many putts you miss, that just can't be your attitude when you're trying to make when you're trying to come up from behind. And and put a new putter in the bag just for the U.S. Open, so that had to be on his mind a little bit too. Yes, uh, listen, people have succeeded doing that in the past, but it can't be it, it can't be a comfortable thing to be putting greens that fast uh, with a new putter. It just can't. So how do you think the L.A. Country Club came out on the other side of it? Is, is it a venue that the U.S. Open should have in their regular rotation, or do you think it should be a one-off? I loved it hmm. uh, because, to me, too many of the great American parkland courses all look the same on TV. Uh, and you know they're great courses. Like, hmm. like oh, when I was at Oakmont, Oakmont has some unique holes, some unique, unique layouts, and it, you know, when you're there, you go, okay, I get it. When I've watched majors on TV at Oakmont, it just looks like another Parkland American course. All the holes look the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought the Barrancas, the lack of water, the angles people had to play to get close to the, the green, the fact that it's almost like a Lynx-style course in that if the weather is mild, you can really shoot a score. If, the met, if it dries out, it's incredibly difficult. I kind of like that. I like weather being the differentiator, not not the course architect setting it up tricky. Um and I thought it was pretty. I just thought it was cool. Yeah. How about the super wide fairways? Were you in favor of that? Well, yeah, because I don't mm-hmm. think every U.S. Open fair venue should be exactly the same. Sure. 
I think what we saw there was the fairways were wide, but a lot of them were sloped, so they didn't play as wide as they measured. And you really had to be on a certain plateau or from coming in from a certain angle to really have a chance to attack the flag. Otherwise, being in the fairway wasn't doing you a ton of good. Is Wyndham Clark uh, going to be a name on leaderboards that we see over the next years, or uh, was it a little bit of a flash in the pan? I don't think it's a flash. I, I, listen, I don't know if he's going to win another major. Sure. It's hard to predict those things. Yep. But he has the talent. Uh, he hits it a long way. He hits it very high. He can hit a draw, but he knows he also has that fairway finder, the big cut that just lands softly that you know, so many great players who won majors have had. That's a great shot to have under pressure. Uh, and he showed great nerves. He had, he, got, he had some bad lies, some tough situations, and he made clutch shots out of them. He made some long putts. He lag putt beautifully. And lag putting is probably the great, the great differentiator in terms of nerves. Mm-hmm. If you're nervous, you're not going to lag putt well. He lag, putt, lag putted beautifully all day. Now, as I said, uh, you, know, you win a major, maybe who knows how he's going to handle the pressure, the acclaim, the attention, the interview requests. Uh, his life is going to change, and how he handles it will probably dictate whether he ever wins another one. Your column this morning talked about the lost weekend of the Twins as well as, uh, you know, things that you're hearing either from fans, you're getting in emails or what have you, uh, answering various questions, but uh, a tough loss, uh, multiple losses by the, by the Twins to the Tigers. They should not lose three out of four to Detroit. No, Detroit came in playing horribly, and the Twins just let them hang around and do what they wanted. And the pitching wasn't great this weekend. But to me, it was really about the, the bats this weekend. They finally looked like they had come to life. And then this weekend against a bunch of pretty anonymous pitchers, they, listen, the Tigers have good arms. Everybody has good arms. Mm. But if you want to be a good team, if you want to be a division winner, if you want to be a playoff threat, you should beat a team like the Tigers. And I thought the quality of the bats was terrible. Uh, taking call third strikes, swinging and missing by two feet, not getting runners in from third, uh, not playing situational baseball. And listen, when I say that, I, I don't want people to ever think that I'm a small ball, bunt everybody over guy. I'm not. Yeah. I'm a modern offensive thinker. You want to hit home runs, you want extra base hits, you want to draw walks, you want to wear down the other pitcher. But that doesn't mean that you take a called third strike because you were just looking for one pitch you get hit over the fence. You know, when you get two strikes on you, you should become a battler, not somebody who just is an easy out. Yeah, and and, and Byron Buxton continues to struggle with that. He continues yep. to take poor at bats. He he uh you know, it might be lack of play over his entire career because of the number of injuries that he hasn't advanced more as a hitter. It's It would be nice to see him have a better idea of the strike zone. Yep, and I really think he, unfortunately, I think he's a feel hitter. I think he's a feel and comfort hitter. And some guys, when they come off the, the injured list, guess what? They have the same swing. They have the same outlook. They have the same discipline. They already know the strike zone. So maybe they don't hit right away, but they take the same quality of the bats. Mm-hmm. Byron kind of has to feel good and feel comfortable and, and have a little success to have more success. And so far, coming off this injured list, he's looked like he's completely lost. And then we see a couple of balls that Michael A. Taylor didn't quite get to. you got to believe yep. that Byron Buxton would have, and he still isn't playing any center field. Nope, he would have gotten to those. And the fact that he's had injuries while DHing, to me, is probably, you know, get, I'm guessing the Twins are going to be even more careful with them. I've heard behind the scenes that Byron has settled into the idea of being a DH, which I don't like. Uh, I just think you're, you're, you're not your best version of your team 
unless Buxton's playing center field. And even if it takes till August or something, I would want to see him out there. Uh, so, Daniil Hunter for the Vikings, is he going to be a Viking this season or will he not? What's your feeling right now? I did a podcast with Jeff Diamond, the former Vikings general manager, and he said something really interesting. He said, he said if both sides want a deal, it's a really easy deal to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can throw some extra money at Daniel Hunter this year. You can play all the silly contract games that NFL teams play, voidable years, you know, easily reachable incentives. If both sides want a deal, it's not a hard deal to cut. Mm-hmm. I think the Vikings want a deal, but they, of course – they're going to play. They want to, They want the best deal they can get. What we don't really know is is Hunter holding out because he wants the best possible deal from the Vikings, or is he holding out because he wants the best possible deal wherever he plays and he's happy to to force a trade and go elsewhere. We just don't know for sure where he stands. It seems as though everybody's on board with uh, Brian Flores, though, as the defensive coordinator. We're hearing a lot of positive uh, comments come from players. I, you know, what else would they say? But uh, you got to believe it. I mean, Flores has been a terrific D coordinator and head coach wherever he's been. Yeah, I don't think Flores is the issue. I think yeah. uh, Hunter is just looking at his base salary for this year, comparing it to other people who are about his skill level and production level and saying, this is ridiculous. Mm. And, of course, what he wants is a long-term lucrative deal where they treat him like a superstar. Mm. And I think they're looking at it and saying, okay, we're just a little worried about the injury history. We'd like to see how you fit into this. They're almost treating him like Kirk Cousins. Mm-hmm. We're saying we like you, but we don't love, we're not sure we love you. Yeah. Uh, we, want to, we want to take you on a trip. We don't want to marry you yet. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and Hunter is like, hold it. Look at what I've done for this team. Look what I've done for this franchise. You should treat me like a superstar. I think that's where the – that that's the basis for the conflict. Jim, thanks so much. Thanks, Todd. Live at 5 Sports at Todd and Suhan, brought to you by Prairie's Edge Casino Resort.